0: Welcome to the Simplify Finance Podcast, powered by Palma Bella Consulting. No gimmicks, no schemes, just solid, simple ways to recapture control over your finances. And now, broadcasting from Palma Bella Studios in sunny Orlando, Florida, here is your host, Troy Peterson. Grab a cup of coffee, a notepad, get ready to take some notes. If you're driving down the road, then make sure and turn up the volume and listen. You'll want to mark this because you're going to come back and listen to these principles that I'm going to share with you. These are life-changing principles of prosperity that I'm going to share with you in today's episode. Now, these seven principles of prosperity are timeless principles. This is nothing that I'm going to claim that I've come up with, but I will tell you I've learned to practice these principles. Every client that I've started working with, I take them through these principles. These principles date back thousands of years. They go back into ancient times. You can find them outlined in the oldest book that we've got in print, and that's the Bible. You can find them in many cultures. These are seven basic principles of prosperity, and these principles you need to follow if you want to change your finances. So get ready because we're going to go over the seven principles of prosperity today. And I want you to grab a hold of these because they will completely transform your finances. And when your finances are changed, your life is completely changed. So principle number one is to start thinking different. We're talking about your mindset. Now, I encounter this with a lot of people and it really comes down to this. When you look at money, you either see an abundance of money or you see a lack of money. You either see a prosperity or you see a scarcity. So which is it that you see? You know, when you get trapped in a mindset of scarcity, you start to see that you never have enough, and you start to get trapped in that attitude of, gee, I just can't pay my bills. There's never enough. I won't have any left over at the end of the day. How am I ever going to go on vacation? How am I ever going to afford to take that trip and go out to dinner with my friends and just do the things I really want to enjoy? Well, when you're focused on scarcity, that's exactly where you're going to get to. See lack, get lack. So you've got to learn to have a prosperous mindset. You've got to learn to see all the good that you've got. You've got to learn to start to see abundance. Now, I love one teacher that I heard uh, who shared a philosophy on money, and he says you're going to see money one of two ways. You either see it as cake or as candles. And he was talking specifically about a birthday cake. If you look at it and you see money as cake, then you're going to know there's only so much cake to go around. And when that last slice is cut, then the cake pan is empty. There's no more cake. It's gone. That's a scarcity mindset on money. But if you have a prosperous mindset, you start to see money as candles. Now think about the nature of those candles. Those candles all burn a flame. And you just light a flame to one candle and you can take that candle and you can go touch it to countless other candles and start the flame. So you see money like like the candles, that means that you can continue to ignite more and more. That's a prosperous mindset. The prosperous mindset says there's no end to the money that can come in. Now, if you've got a scarcity mindset, you're never going to have enough. But if you start to develop a prosperous mindset, you'll see different ways that you can use money and different opportunities to be able to make money. But that starts first with transforming your mindset. Now, to help you with that, we do have a course available on our website that's uh, 30 Days to Change Your Mindset on Money. I want you to have a prosperous mindset. But whether you take our course or you're able to just condition yourself, either way, start seeing the prosperity, not the scarcity. Principle number two says you've got to look at the whole picture of your finances. Now, this gets to really one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make. They start to think, okay, I've got enough money to do everything. So they're working on their mindset. They start to see prosperity, but they fail to look at their finances as an entire forest. And instead, they look at it as a bunch of individual trees. So what does that mean? That means now you're starting to look at everything different. I see my mortgage as one thing. I see my insurance as another. I look at my credit cards as yet another. I look at my grocery bill, and I start to see it all as these individual trees, and we forget to notice that all these trees together make up a forest. That forest is really made up of two things. Everything that you do with your finances is going to fall into two different categories. You've got products that you buy with your money, so products are things that you buy. And then you've got strategy, and strategy is what you do with your money. So everything that you see with your finances all comes in. Now an example of a product could be insurance. If you buy car insurance, that that product has a cost associated with it, so you're doing something with your money, you're buying car insurance. Now a strategy could be something you do with your money. Now, if you're doing something, and since we talked about insurance, let's talk about life insurance, because if you buy the right kind of life insurance, now you've moved from product to strategy, because that life insurance actually has a value. You can borrow against it, and you can start to put that money to work using that strategy. Your savings is a strategy, your investments are a strategy. Getting the best rate on your home mortgage, that's a strategy, but the mortgage itself is a product. I know it starts to get confusing, but you really need to start to see your finances as the whole picture and not a series of individual trees. Look at the entire forest, not just the trees. The third principle that you want to look at here is how you measure your finances. Now, we want to twist a little bit of your conventional thinking in this process because we all tend to measure our finances according to time. There's actually a saying out there that I know you're very, very familiar with that says time is money. And that saying really kind of leads us down the road into a very deep, dark fallacy. If we start thinking time is money, then pretty soon we have to start equating money with time. And you're to Your typical financial planner will do just that. Your typical financial planner starts to say, well, gee, how much time do you have to save X amount of dollars and how long do you need those dollars to last you in your retirement years? So everything is then measured by time. But we don't like to measure by time. We don't want to measure our investment growth in order to meet a certain amount of time frame. That's really guesswork. And that kind of guesswork leaves many people lacking. That kind of guesswork leads to the scarcity mindset. That kind of guesswork keeps us as focused on the trees and not the forest. What you really want to learn to do is measure the costs of your money. Now, this is a different concept and something that you're not taught in traditional finance. By measuring the cost of your money, you start to think, well, gee, I realize that every dollar that I acquire has a cost to it. Let's say that you go borrow $10,000 to buy a car. If you're measuring time, you're looking and saying, well, I got that $10,000. I'm going to buy this car, and that car could last me three to five years. That measured time. If you're measuring cost, now you're going to look and say, well, gee, if I got that $10,000 at 10%, that means that $10,000 is going to cost me $1,000 this year. Well, if you're looking to measure cost, now you can learn to start to move your money in a slightly different method that starts to reduce those costs. That might mean, hey, if I have to borrow $10,000 to buy a car, maybe I should take some steps to pay that loan off faster so that that money does not cost me as much. Or maybe I should do that $10,000 out of a life insurance policy where the money still continues to earn interest and I've got a velocity of money working for me instead of a cost against me. That's where we start to look at the opportunity cost because you'll miss opportunity. You see, all money has a cost to it. Every dollar that you have in your pocket has a cost. It costs you something. What does it cost? You've got to find out what that cost is. And then when you start measuring that cost, you start looking at what that missed opportunity is. Like, let's say I have a chance to put money into an investment at 10%. And instead, that money's tied up in an investment that's earning only 5%. Well, that means I've just lost 5%, so that money is costing me 5%. It's no longer earning 5%. It's now costing 5%. You look at money and measure the cost not the time frame, and you'll be able to assess better decisions with your finances and learn to put your money to work better for you. The next principle we're going to take a look at is your cash flow. Now, again, we're going to tweak traditional financial uh, mindsets because most of us want to focus on net worth. Our traditional uh, financial planning teaches us to focus on net worth. In fact, there's this huge fallacy out there that really says that wealth is measured by the amount of money that you have in your bank account. Nothing could be further from the truth. Trust me, I know how fast money can disappear from an account. When the market crashed in 2008, I lost $3 million over a course of just a few months. It took me years to amass that and a few months for it to blow away. Money disappears. Uh, Proverbs says that money, wealth is fleeting. And it is. It'll take off just like that. But if you learn to measure cash flow, now you're looking at how much income you can generate. Now, we had cash flow in 2008 that came in to, through uh, uh, income-producing property, income-producing assets. So regardless of what happened in the market, regardless of what happened to our bank accounts, to our net worth, the income continued to come in, and that sustained our life. So you need to focus on cash flow, not net worth. Wealthy people understand that the, the better the cash flow works on a balance sheet, the longer and happier life they can live. It has nothing to do with how much money is in your account. It has everything to do with the amount of income that comes in. And when you have enough cash flow, or should I say, when you have enough income coming in to sustain your life without working, now you're wealthy. You could have nothing in the bank, but if you have enough dependable income coming in every month to provide for your life who cares what's in the bank you're wealthy you no longer have to work you are independent that's because we measure cash flow principle number five says that you want to always have control of your money again I'm going to tweak on your traditional financial planning strategies because your traditional financing planning will have you put money into vehicles where you give up control And let's not just look at financial planners. Let's talk about the entire establishment. See, you're told that you've got to save money. So when you put money into a savings account, maybe you buy into something that gives you a little higher return, like a a CD or a, or a, a treasury account, or something that gives you a little better interest rate. Guess what you just did? You just gave the banker control of your money. The banker might be giving you a little higher interest rate, but all the banker is doing is taking those deposits and going to selling selling that money to somebody else for a profit they're paying you a little higher rate but that's because they know they just locked up your money they've just taken control the government also controls your money in the form of our uh uh, traditional retirement accounts as soon as you lock money away into a ira 401k you've just given up control you can no longer take that money out and if you do you're penalized for it you don't have control uh, traditional investing gives up control if you're buying stocks or mutual funds and you're buying dividend paying investments hey that's great but if you continue to reinvest that dividend reinvest the interest reinvest your gains right back in you're leaving your broker your fund manager your banker still in control of your money you're if If you've given up that control, that means you've given up the opportunity to be able to make increase on it. So you always need to have control. The more control you have over your money, the more you can tell your money to go out to work. But if you give that control over to your banker, your broker, or the tax man, now you've just given up your ability to become independently wealthy. So control is a vital part of our seven principles. Principle number six talks about movement, and money must always be moving. I like to explain it this way. We call it currency, and it's no coincidence that it's called currency because you've got to compare it to the current of a river. And what happens to that river if the current stops flowing? Well, the water starts to pool up and it becomes stagnant. And stagnant water or water that doesn't flow, pretty soon it gets green, it gets mossy, it gets putrid smelling, it starts to stink, it starts to rot, it becomes death. And if you drink it, well, it'll make you really sick. It might even kill you if you drink enough of it. It's not good. So you can't have a stagnant river. You can't have a stagnant body of water. And in the exact same principle, you can't allow your currency, your money, to become stagnant. It must always be moving. Now, the wealthy learn to make their their money, not their movie. If you could make a movie of money, this would be great, but let's be serious here. (laughs) The wealthy learn to make their money move through various products. The people who aren't wealthy, well, they tend to move their money to some product. They buy the product, and the product loses value, and it goes on. But if you can learn to make your money move through products, now it starts to actually accumulate. A great example of making money move through a product would would be a piece of real estate, a piece of income-producing investment real estate. You can make your money move through that because you might buy the property and it looks like a product, except that product continues to prove income. And since it continues to produce income, you've got a certain fluidity, a certain currency that continues to flow through that. Now, there your money that you use to buy that product isn't always tied up because you can turn around and you can borrow against it. And you could take that and go put it to work and the income stays constant. So now you're moving your money through that product. That allows you to also do principle number seven, which is to multiply. If you're moving money through a product like a piece of real estate, now you can multiply. So if you took some cash and you bought a piece of income producing investment property and that property begins to produce income, now you've got regular income which is continuing to multiply. That measures a return on your investment. But then you could turn around, borrow against that real estate and take that borrowed money and go use it to buy another property and increase your income. That begins to be multiplication. And when you do that right, you're both moving money through a product and you're multiplying. Now, real estate isn't the only product that you can do this with. Life insurance is actually another wonderful product when you've got the right life insurance type set up. When you set up a cash value life insurance policy, you're actually creating a vehicle that you can keep moving money through. You've got a product where you're putting your money into a certain account that continues to grow at a specific rate. As that money continues to grow at that rate, it builds cash value. You can then turn around and borrow against that cash value and use it to buy other assets like real estate. And that real estate grows value. You pay back your life insurance. You borrow again. You continue to grow. You continue to multiply. It's all because you continually move money in your favor. That wraps up the seven principles. So you really got to get these in order. You got to learn to start having the right mindset on your money. Take some time. Change your mindset. It takes 30 days to form a new habit. So 30 days, you can completely rearrange your mindset and begin to see the prosperity, not the scarcity of your finances. Then you begin to look at the whole picture of your finances. You don't look at every account, every purchase, every financial product as an individual tree. Instead, you realize that you are managing a forest and everything that you do is part of your overall financial strategy and you start to plan accordingly. The third step, remember, is to measure the flow of your finances. Uh, You measure it by the cost of money, not by time. Don't measure time measure your cost or your opportunity cost. Number four says you've got to watch your cash flow. It's not about net worth, it's always about cash flow. Number five says you take control. The more control you have over your finances, the more wealth you're going to be able to build over time. And number six and seven go right together as you've got to make sure that you have no stagnant money and that you're always using that money to put it to work so that you can continually multiply. And those seven principles of prosperity practiced in your life will completely transform your finances, completely transform everything that you can do in order to build wealth and financial security. Now, these are the principles that we've put into our program. Uh, Our program we call the Wealth Revolution, and it starts right from the very basic foundations Changing your mindset and building you to a point where you start to use products and strategies that continually multiply and multiply on top of multiplication so that you can achieve financial freedom. That's what it's all about. Don't let anybody else ever control your money. Not me, not the broker, not the banker, not the tax man. You learn to take control by applying the right kind of strategies. Now, if you want to get a little more information on the Wealth Revolution program and exactly how it works, check out our website at palmabella.com and you'll be able to get more strategies that will help you to increase your income, eliminate your debt, and build wealth, the kind of wealth that will completely transform your life and help you to start living the life you've always dreamed of. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Simply Finance Podcast with host Troy Peterson. We hope you were able to take away some essential strategies for recapturing control of your finances and more importantly, enhancing your life. This podcast is made possible by Palmabella Consulting. For access to more episodes of this podcast or further financial coaching tools, please visit us at www.palmabella.com. And remember, if you want to simplify your life, start by simplifying your finances.